Hello, fellow cinephiles. My name's Ben, and this is the Real Movies Podcast. So I am on my way uh, down to the Regal Wilder Theater, uh, and I'm going to go see It Comes at Night. Um, I've been really busy with work lately, and uh, then I was traveling the weekend that uh, the movie came out, and uh, so I haven't been able to uh, get out and see it until today. Um, I've been really looking forward to this movie uh, for a long time now, several months, uh, and um, today's the day. So uh, I know that there are uh, a couple of people who have gotten out to see it and have said uh, it's not really... Uh, what the ads promised, and maybe not as good as the critics are saying, but, um, I don't know, I'm a fan of indie horror, I really like, um, things like It Follows and The Babadook, and, um, uh, I think this is, I think this one has a lot of promise. Uh, I'm going to be meeting up with my buddy Barry, um, who I believe I've, uh, talked about on this show before. Barry, uh, Barry and I went to college together, and, um, he is a very, uh, talented production designer, and, um, knows a lot about, you know, set dressing and things like that, and, um, uh, yeah, hopefully after the movie, uh, we'll be back to, uh, share a couple of thoughts, uh, to finish up this episode, so, uh, make sure you stay with us here after the jump, and we'll have more about It Comes at Night. So we are back, uh, live from a hot car out here in the parking lot, uh, at the Regal Wilder, uh, movie theater. And I'm joined by my buddy Barry. Barry. Hello. What's happening? Uh, we just saw It Comes at Night. <laughs> it's, uh. We did. We did see It Comes at Night. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, this is a movie that has been billed, uh, as a horror film about, um, I guess a guy played by Joel Edgerton and, um, his, uh, family, his wife and teenage son, uh, are holed up in this house and, um, they, I guess they're so, we're led to assume that there's some sort of either apocalypse going on or some sort of, uh, how would you how would you put it? Uh, some sort of. I mean, it's your standard end of the world. Sort yeah, of it's your standard man scenario. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got the family boarded up in the house, trying to you know stay safe from whatever is out there, and um, they come to find uh, another uh, this guy and his family, and they take them in, and uh, things are pretty uh, seem idyllic for a while, and then it kind of all goes to shit for everybody uh, by the end of the movie. So. Um, yeah, I think for me personally, Barry, and we'll, let me know how you felt. I actually really enjoyed this. Um, I, I, I liked kind of the, the, the world building sort of as that the setup seemed, uh, it felt authentic and lived in and, uh, like I kind of, I bought it. And the only thing that kind of took me out of it briefly was the, uh, 
the use of masks, like the gas masks or the, or whatever. And they, um, cause it was like, okay, they're wearing them when they're outside, but then they're outside and then they're not wearing them while they're outside. And it's like, okay, are we not? The rules weren't really established. The rule, yeah, the rules didn't seem that well established, sure. at least in that, in that specific case. But for everything else, I thought it was pretty clear. And then eventually, kind of as it goes on, it sort of becomes more clear that, okay, they only really put it on when there's, like, a potential threat of, you know, coming across the disease. Yeah. Or, yeah. sorry, spoiler alert, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I mean, on. I think it's okay to spoil it. Do you usually <laughs> spoil these things? No, I mean, if we're having a discussion, like, uh, I mean, I okay. think it's hard to talk about this movie without talking about that ending, because that ending is going to really determine this film for a lot of people. Like, I had friends that were telling me, you know, it's not worth your time because of that ending, you know it. Oh, I actually liked the ending. What did you think of the ending? I thought I thought it was a solid ending for a film, but I was a little underwhelmed. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are thrown out there yeah. uh, that lead us to not not trust. You know, the other family that's featured in the film, yeah, uh, such as that brother, or just you know the little things here and there. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of that was cleared up, and it just made me think, you know, why leave those breadcrumbs if you're not going to um, go any further with those those elements i guess um you know i don't know what i was expecting but given that this is an a24 film there was a newsletter that uh they they sent out a few weeks ago where the director was talking about it and he was really talking about how it was a passion project for him how he wrote it after he lost someone and uh i think you can really get that feel too if yeah you, if you watch this and you, you think of it from the perspective of just somebody who's lost somebody um it's really powerful i think joel edgerton is incredible in it Mm-hmm. He is, he's really, really showing us what he's made of with the last few films, you know, Loving and uh, Midnight Special and all that. Um, so, but, I don't know, as a whole, I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled. I, I think I would have li- liked a little more information, like we were talking, you know, more established rules about the world that were, uh, that's being depicted here. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't, yeah, that's a good point. I, um... I suppose, yeah, we probably could have done with a, a few more rules. But again, I kind of, I've started to kind of, when I watch movies like this, I try to kind of let myself buy into it. Just, I try to kind of get, throw myself emotionally into the world that, like, just on principle. Um, because I've come to find I enjoy them more. Like, <laughs> like things like It Follows, I remember, or The Witch. Like, uh, you watch it the first time. And, you know, after all, the hype machine has kind of built it up. And so then, um, you know, sometimes you, you like it and sometimes you don't, or sometimes you kind of like it and you're like, well, I wish it would have, if I had seen this or, or, or whatever. But, um, then you kind of readjust your mindset and you throw yourself into it a little more and you watch it a second and third time. And then it's like, okay, this is really awesome. And I see what, you know, people have been talking about. Um, yeah, with this, uh, it comes at night. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's tough. I think this is a movie that I can understand why there has been a large divide between the critics and the audiences on this. This is, um, and I don't necessarily think there should be. I mean, because there's there's a lot to like in this movie. Oh yeah, oh I mean, yeah, absolutely. Performances are solid. It's a solid edit. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, oh very well written and. Uh, I mean, kudos to the casting too. I mean, they're they're showing diversity without being completely explicit about it, and the performances are there. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And it was, um, no, you're right. It is, it is a very tight edit. Um, and you think like for a lot of movies like this, especially a passion project for Trey Edward Schultz, like you were saying, it's, those tend to be a little overindulgent. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a fairly trim. This is what we were in and out and barely an hour and 45 minutes. It's probably including previews. So, um, I mean, everything seemed to be, you know, you know, meaty. Yeah. And so to speak, there wasn't a whole lot of gristle to chew through. Um, too much gristle. <laughs> I hate too much gristle as well. Um, but I, and, and this isn't, this is not a, if you've seen the movie or if you've seen previews for it, it's not exactly what was advertised. And I think that, uh, that is really, I think what has ultimately killed this movie for a lot of yeah. stand, like a lot of the average, the average moviegoer is because I remember seeing the preview for this and thinking this looked like a really terrifying, like home invasion thriller, which has seemed to be kind of what the general gist yeah. was. And, um, it's not, well, uh, you could, you probably could say that in some ways it maybe is a home invasion thriller, but not in a way that you've ever seen before. And, um, it's, it's very, it's deliberate, but at the same time, I thought it was really tense. Yeah. Uh, pretty I much totally the agree. entire time. Um, without being overtly scary. Now, there are a couple of parts that are, I thought were pretty terrifying. Like the first, uh, I, I guess when Travis, the Joel Edgerton's son, gets up and walks, um, it's, it's right towards the beginning of the movie. There's a really great, uh, tracking shot of, uh, kind of, it's on, it's on the kid in his bedroom and then it kind of moves de- around the corner and it dollies down this hallway this dark hallway in the middle of the night with this really creepy music. That's another thing. I thought the score was great. The score was great. Um, and, uh, and then it kind of, the camera kind of eventually you reveals this red door at the end of this hallway with this music going. And you're like, Oh shit, this is a place that we're not supposed to be right now. And then the very next shot is Travis going into that room and you're like, Oh God, something's going to happen. And I'm sitting there, you know, toes are curling and I'm on the edge of my seat. And then he kind of, I guess sees somebody in there and there's a a bit of a, there's, there's a, a jump scare there, but it's totally earned. It's, uh, I thought it was a really well executed, uh, jolt there. Um, and I was like, Oh God, this is great. Let's have some more of this. That's um, the tough thing for me is, is moments like that with Travis where he's having these dreams or yeah, these, yeah. these, these premonitions maybe, um, you know, when he's, when he's in there with his dad and he's doing all those drawings, um, you know, we have the dream within the dream later on. But, you know, those are just other things that I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, is, were those just symptoms of the disease is that were, it would lead you? And then you had, you know, the sexual tension between him and, uh, Riley Keough, is that yeah. her name? Um, who, she's great. Um, but yeah, I would she... have liked to see that explored maybe a little bit more if they were going in that direction. Yeah. Because uh, it is interesting to, you know, depict a 17 year old boy who's, probably hasn't really been around women much since he, you know, yeah. went through puberty. Um, you know, put that in uh, in this kind of a situation, I think that could be really interesting and compelling. Yeah, that was kind of a very interesting dynamic, because uh, he's clearly, in the world that's established, he's clearly an only child, um, and has been, it seems, either, you know, raised or... Uh, otherwise conditioned to kind of just live this life on his own with his mom and dad and secluded from everybody. 
So he doesn't really have a whole lot of social constructs, uh, that he's been a part of. And so when he, you know, when, uh, these, this uh, family of strangers, Will and, uh, what was her name? Uh, it wasn't Sarah. Sarah was Carmen, uh, Sarah was Joel Edgerton's wife. Um, Riley Keough's character. Yeah, Riley Keough's character, and then they have, and then Riley Keough and this uh, other character, this, uh, the guy Will, they have a son, a young son that they bring uh, named Andrew. And so it's interesting to see, uh, she is kind, Riley Keough is kind of, uh, she almost seems like a perfect foil for Travis in some ways because they both share, you know, they both can't sleep in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, you know, they seem to be, you know, generally in the more idyllic scenes, they seem to have a lot. They seem to have good chemistry with she each other. They seem younger than her husband, too. And that's, yeah. I feel like that is kind of alluded to, you know, when, when she asks him, how old are you? And she says, oh, that's the age I was when, you know, Will Fame found me. And right. He talks about chasing after her. Um, other details, again, that I'm kind of wondering, like, why did you drop these? Because you were going <laughs> to uh, kill her in the end. I mean, you know, I always, I have that debate with myself in my writing <laughs> is, um, you know, am I writing this for the story or am I writing this just to be true to life? You know, because in, in real life, you and I could drop sort all sorts of personal details about one another and then I could, you know, get hit by a car. Uh, right. This could be my last podcast, but. Oh, no, unless, oh, well, I'd love to have you back sometime, Barry. Don't, don't, don't get hit by a car. And last. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, man, uh, this is, it is a very tricky line. What you were saying about the trailer, too, I mean, not to get too much off of the subject of the film, but that's the tricky thing with trailers now. We're living in an age where there's a trailer for the trailer, which seems ridiculous, but, like, when I saw the, uh, the teaser for the trailer of a ghost story, (laughs) I was so excited! Yeah. That was so cool, and, uh, and then the trailer arrived, and I was like, oh, the trailer's here. Oh, and then the film's gonna be there you know who knows maybe in you know 15 years or so we're gonna have a something some other piece of the film that comes before the teaser that comes before the trailer they're just gonna release the whole movie i think yeah probably i mean that seems to be the way you're getting like that's uh, and we've had uh, listeners have heard uh us talk about this on the show before we've talked about you know do trailers show too much yeah and uh it's for a lot of these well this isn't a big movie but for a lot of the bigger um, you know, your Transformers, especially the Spider-Man movie that's coming out. It, mm-hmm. There are so there is so much uh, content that they cram into these things to try to sell the movie, and they end up giving away the whole thing. Well, and, the thing is too, what's interesting is like for Star Wars, you know, for example, think about all the footage in that trailer that's not in the film, mm. which I just think is bizarre. Yeah, you know, shouldn't it all be the same canon? Um, should you be using alt takes? I mean. You're still in the midst of the editing process, most likely, to some extent. So maybe that's a tough call. Maybe you don't know everything that you're going to use in the film. But uh, I would think you would be pretty married to the footage that you're putting in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, and that's, you know, a, another subject that, because if we're talking specifically about It Comes at Night, it's just, it was just mismarketed. Yeah. I don't think they used, you know, footage that either was or was not in the movie. Um, no, most everything no. I recall seeing, off track. yeah, well, that's all right. But most of this, most everything I recall seeing, um, in the trailer for it comes at night was in the movie. Uh, yes. but again, this is another one that 
it's distributed by A24. They don't throw, you know, millions and millions of dollars behind their marketing. And so, you know, I probably saw one trailer like a month and a half ago. And then, you know, the movie's been out now for a week, week and a half. And so, um, I just, I never bothered. And that's usually what I try to do is like, you know, you watch one trailer and you're like, all right, I got it. I don't want it anymore because progressively they just kind of start selling more and more and it just ruins everything. But, uh, no, this one I think was just a, a victim of mismarketing and that's probably, that's really on A24 and whoever else, uh, if they, you know, hired an outside firm to help them put this together because it's really, yeah, I mean, I was sitting there kind of as it going, as the movie's going along, I, I enjoyed it a lot, but, um, uh, I could definitely see how if I were a salesperson or if I were in charge of marketing a movie like this, where it might, you might run into some confusion. Yeah. Um, because it is not your typical home invasion thriller. It's not really a monster movie. Um, it's just kind of, and it's not really much of a horror film. I mean, I guess it is, but it's not, it's not the conjuring, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not paranormal activity. It's very, uh, much more focused on the psychology of, you know, an extreme situation. Like yeah. That. It's much, it's much more, uh, it's more of a psychological thriller, psychological drama. Um, it's tricky though. I mean, we're living in the age of The Walking Dead and World War Z, and you make a film like this, and you want to be different, um, but you still want to explore those ideas, which I think are you know really valid scenarios to explore. I mean, you know, it's just like the uh, Twilight Zone monsters are due in Maple Street right. episode. Um, you know, it's, it's fascinating to see people go crazy because of a very <laughs> simple scenario. Um, yeah, and really, this is a movie about the. Uh, how desperate, um, you know, what people will do when they're desperate and when they're scared. Yeah. Um, and not just, you know, desperate and scared because of a, you know, uh, paranormal or, uh, superstitious thing or a, a monster or something out of the realm of fantasy. This is very, this is a very real sense of dread, mm -hmm. uh, that these people are experiencing in this movie. And, um, and I honestly, I respect, you know, little A24 who's put out, like, The Witch was kind of the same way, except... Not so little anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not so little anymore, but, I mean, you know, still, they're... Yeah. God bless them for putting out, sure, giving wide release to movies like this, right. Oh, um, so, yeah, this... I would recommend It Comes at Night to people who... Uh, uh, I think I would recommend it to horror fans that are that can respect deliberate pacing and, you know, kind of skilled, honest filmmaking. And, you know, it actually feels like there's people behind the camera that care. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like a, you know, and not to say that, cause I really respect like James Wan mm -hmm. who, you know, you can usually tell, you know, when in, during his movies, you know, as big as they are. Yes. He's definitely, without a doubt. Yeah, he's probably the best working auteur that the horror genre has today. But um, this you see it coming, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I would give I would if you if you like you know all different types of horror, I would give this a shot. If you typically like you know family dramas or um, that explore sort of you know heavy heavy themes, this is probably up your alley. Um, you know, if you like all those things, but you also watch The Walking Dead, I would probably give this a shot. Um, and all those things that 
it ticks off all the boxes. You're stuck in a cabin and you have all your, you know, windows and doors boarded up and you're thinking about killing, you know, your son. I would definitely recommend this film. Um, (laughs) If you're in that scenario, I'm not, but. No, I'm not either. Um, that's a bold, that's a bold proclamation there, Barry. Friends, you know, who knows? (laughs) Um, but yes, I would also say that for the average, you know, non-discerning moviegoer, this probably isn't your cup of tea. I would say, because if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, it's something like 87% approval from critics and like 43% from audiences. I think it got like a D cinema score, which is like, and the cinema score is the indicator. I think like the cinema score is the indicator of like, I don't know how it's judged or what people are, or where this comes yeah. from, but it's, it's a fair barometer of what. I don't understand Rotten Tomatoes at all. I mean, that was the big thing about Wonder Woman is that, you know. The freshest film of all time, and yeah. uh, and I liked it, but there were also parts of it that I didn't like. Yeah. You know, um, so to have the freshest score ever just doesn't seem fair. No, and then I think eventually Wonder Woman slipped down underneath. I think <laughs> Logan, I think, is the best reviewed. Okay, either that or the first Iron Man, um, best reviewed superhero movie of all time. Um, but yeah, so it comes at night. Uh, it's out in theaters now. Um, if you're if you're curious about it. Um, I would still say go see it, despite what your friends have said. Um, and again, that's another thing I always try to preach on this show, is if you've been interested or curious or wanting to see a piece of art, go do it, go see it without, you know, don't, you know, form your own opinion, don't listen to what others have said. Um, make your own, think for yourself, basically. Be your own boss. Be your own boss, that's right. Um, Barry, I kind of talked you up at the, in the other part of the, the, the intro on this show before earlier. And, um, yeah. I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned that you were a, a, a fantastic production designer. Oh, uh, once upon a time. I don't know about that. Um, yeah. so uh, just the last, the last, uh, thing before I let you go, what, yeah. how would you, uh, how did you feel about the look, uh, of this one of, of the, of, of it comes at night? Oh, I thought it was pretty solid. I thought it was pretty, um, pretty spare, but I thought that was okay. You know, that the, few things we did see as far as their, uh, you know, what, what they actually own, their possessions, um, were pretty interesting. Like, you know, when we get just a taste of the, of the grandfather's room, that's mm-hmm. pretty interesting, seeing yeah. his photos, and his, I think I remember seeing pieces of a computer in there, it's just interesting to think of a computer in that world, um, and to think of this, this guy we really didn't get to know at all, but has a huge impact on the family. Mm-hmm. To be able to see his possessions, um, I thought that was a really good way for us to just kind of get a sense of the of the person. Yeah. Uh, to the extent that we needed, we didn't need to know him incredibly well. Um, yeah, and he was a uh, that that's um, and that's interesting too because that the grandfather kind of does drive a lot of the more horrific parts of the film. Sure. Um, and it works, I think. Yeah. Um, I think so and it works really effectively. Um, and yeah, so thank you, Barry. Thank you for being here. Yeah, no problem. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad that we in this car, in this in this hot car. We got a little bit of AC going, but uh, trying to keep it down so we don't mess with the audio. We're on an iPhone here. Um, okay, so this has been it comes at night with Barry from uh, the hot car in front of the Regal Wilder movie theater. Um, hopefully, we'll do this some more. Yeah, uh, down the line. Next, I don't know what. <laughs> this is the first time Barry and I have seen a movie together in two months, Probably. at least two months. An embarrassing amount of time. Yeah, and uh, 
So I'm glad we were able to do this today, and uh, I'm glad he was cool sticking around and talking about uh, It Comes at Night. Um, and I'm thank you for listening. And I'm sorry that I haven't blogged much, and I've been working a lot, and we haven't recorded a whole lot of new episodes, but I wanted to get this out because uh, I felt like this was a movie that needed to be discussed. You're um, certainly good at excuses, aren't you, Ben? I am good at excuses, yeah. <laughs> Long-winded, you know. Nobody ever accused me of not having enough to say. So, uh, all right. You done? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for listening and having me on. Good night. Good night. In the wise words of someone important, do it for cinema. Thank you.